Zara, I am so excited to talk about today's sponsor. It's the new film, Challenges. It's from the director of Call Me By Your Name, Luca Guadagnino, and stars and is produced by none other than our girl Zendaya. Yeah, you know I love her. You love her too. I love her so much. Zendaya plays Tashi Duncan, a former tennis prodigy turned coach who is married to a Grand Slam champion, currently on a losing streak. And if that's not bad enough, Tashi's strategy to help her husband break his curse sort of takes a surprising and awkward turn. Hmm, awkward indeed. Because now he must face off against his former best friend and Tashi's ex-boyfriend, Patrick. Zara, the tensions are running high. I know. Tashi's someone who makes no apologies for her game on and off the court. It's her game, her rules, but with her past and present colliding, Tashi must face reality and ask herself, what will it cost to win? Challenges is the sexy drama that everyone's talking about and it's definitely not one you want to miss. It's about passion, friendship and what happens when your past comes back to challenge you. You can grab a ticket from Tuesday the 26th. So grab your friends and get excited. I will be grabbing you and we are definitely going to be going to watch it. Oh, please. Thank you so much to Challenges for making this episode of Shameless possible. Welcome to Shameless, the pop culture podcast for smart people who love dumb stuff. You're joined, as always, by Melbourne writers, Michelle Andrews, that would be you, Zara McDonald, that would be me. Hello, Zara McDonald. Hello, Annabelle Lee. Hello, everybody. Hello, producer. <laughs> Hello, everybody. Annabelle <laughs> Lee. Coming up on today's show, two aspiring food bloggers absolutely cop it for asking a restaurant for free food. Amanda Bynes files to end her conservatorship after nine years. And former Bachelor star Lockie Gilbert can't believe you will work nine to five. How mundane. <laughs> Plus, let's talk about those headlines that claim influencers will soon be banned from spruiking things like skincare and sunscreen is all as it seems. But first, Michelle, how was your week? My week was good. Obviously, tricky week for a lot of people this week, Zara. So before I speak specifically about myself, we want to send love to anyone who is struggling in Australia or overseas right now. It's a very confronting time. And guys, we will make a promise, as we've made a promise over the last two years. Today will be about the sugary mind-numbing stuff that will give you reprieve and relief from all the darkness. Like, we know our job here. (laughs) We know (laughs) what our role is here and it is to give you as much sugar as we possibly can to numb your brain. But we absolutely are thinking of everybody today. It's it's strange because I feel like we are saying that a lot at the moment. Things are rough at the moment. But as we say, we know what our job is, so we are here to do it. (laughs) We're here to do it. As far as my week is concerned, I don't even want to talk about my week. I just want to talk about this morning because just before we started recording, I stared Annabelle (laughs) Lee in the (laughs) eye and somehow said... I love your little bits. <laughs> That's why we need a HR department. <laughs> Context. Why, why did I say that to you? So we were deciding whether to tuck our hair bits into the <laughs> headphones or leave them out. And I usually leave mine out, but today I was like, they're a bit and wild. As, as you can understand, we have quite busy, serious days here at Chambles <laughs> if we spend five minutes working out whether to pull our hair out from in front of our headphones or behind. Well, this is the thing. I didn't want you to tuck them behind. I thought they looked great. And then I said, no, Annabelle, I love your little bits. And I'm like, wow, that would be confronting for your boss to stare you in the eye. She's turned me off my hair bits and now they're tucked because I'm they like, oh, God, tucked, no. But you look lovely anyway. Oh, we all you. love Annabelle.
Annabelle's little bit. <laughs> I do have a recommendation as no. well. It's sugary. It's light. It's fun, which I think is what everyone needs right now. On Netflix, I'm watching Love is Blind season two. I'm seeing everyone talk about it. Yeah, it's all over my TikTok feed. And to be honest, I was a huge fan of Love is Blind season one. It feels like a lifetime ago that I that watched aired. that too, didn't I? Yeah, I think That's so. That's when people are in rooms and they can't Pods. Have... Pods. Yes. <laughs> it is a silly, remarkable show. It's a silly, silly little show. And boy, oh boy, is it what I need right now. So essentially, Love is Blind season two. Exact same formula, exact same level of drama, exact same level of what the fuck, how can people behave this way? But Mitch and I are enjoying it very much. There's a guy called Shane. He spells Shane with a Y and he's exactly what you think he would be. This is going to be so wrong, I think. <laughs> Wasn't there that iconic scene where there was a runaway bride in the yes. first season? Do you guys remember this? Yeah. They had to like eventually, it was a bit married at first sight, where at the end of all of this they had a wedding and they decided whether they got married. They both had to decide at the altar whether they were getting married. So bizarre. One girl says, absolutely, and the guy says, no. <laughs> and then she just like very dramatically sprinted away from the cameras. Do you remember though she fell? Yeah. So she was running yeah. and she fell down a mud hill. It's just like so iconic. I remember that. That's amazing. Uh, oh, that's so my what, recommendation. So that's on Netflix? That's on Netflix. Guys, just give it a watch. I don't, like, it's not going to change your life, but it will numb your brain, which is what we all need right now. Zara, your week, your wreck. Go. So I read a bit this week, to be honest. I didn't truthfully do that much with my week. I'm actually starting to rack my brains now to work out what I do with my time. I read a few books this week. The first book was recommended to me by Ray, who heads up our partnerships team here. And she recommended this book called The Ride of a Lifetime by Bob Iger. Now, appreciate might be a bit niche because it is more of like a worky, businessy book, but it's a page turner. I read it so quickly. You know, one of those books, I would say, Craig Sylvie, this is random, writes in that similar way where you can just flip the pages Mm -hmm. very, very quickly. Now, Bob Iger was the CEO of Disney for like 17 years. And I don't think I quite understood how big of a job that was or (laughs) at all. Like I didn't realize how big of a conglomerate that business was. So if you are in the market at the start of this year, and you know, you guys are, for (laughs) some sort of thoughtful advice on business or work or leadership or anything like that, very much recommend. Zara Life Coach McDonald pops back, back up again. <laughs> the other quick book I wanted to have a chat to you both about, even though neither of you have read, but I need to put this out into the universe because I need to talk to some people about it, is I read this book called The Maid this week, not to be confused with that very famous Netflix show. Mm-hmm. And it's a fiction book that's everywhere. I've seen it everywhere at the moment. And I read it and I adored the first half. And then I have no idea what happened in the second. Wait, okay, we can't have this conversation where we don't find out what the twist is. So should we say to the listeners, if you happen to be reading The Maid right now, skip forward a minute and you'll skip the spoiler. But I'm pretty sure 95% of the people listening don't plan on reading this it's book. It's a popular book. Well, yeah, perhaps, but I'm not going to read it. Annabelle, do you Nor will I. I want, the spo- I want the spoiler, so skip forward now if you don't want it. All I'll tell you is that this twist happened in the epilogue because it's like a bit of a murder mystery. The twist happened in the epilogue <laughs> where the person ended up killing the other person had, like, no lines in the book and oh, no character presence. Oh, I That's annoying. That. And That's I was such like, a cop-out. It was a big cop-out because I was like, I have probably read about this character for max a page and a half, <gasps> if that, over the course of this book. It's such an easy way to tie something up because you can be like, oh, it was Bob down the street. I don't need to explain it to you. Exactly. And there's no explanation because it's in the epilogue. Anyway, if people want to talk about that book, I'll make Michelle <laughs> do some Your Say Friday questions about it. <laughs> I feel like people might get around it. The most niche Your Say Friday question I, ever. I, I, we, I'm 
make the rules here, don't I? You know what? I'll poll everyone. Will you ever read The Maid? And I bet you it's 95.5. (laughs) (laughs) It might be less than that. Hey, let's jump into our first segment of the show because we are starting with two aspiring food bloggers (laughs) who started to cop it all over the country this week for asking for free food. One of the sort of more silly, juicy stories of the week. <laughs> so let's actually unpack what happened here because it has been quite an interesting one to watch. Yeah. Before we get to the food bloggers, the aspiring food bloggers, put them to the side because we need to talk about a man by the name of John Lethlean first. Yes. And that might sound about random. You're thinking, who the hell is John Lethlean? Well, John Lethlean has found himself the centre of many a segment, <laughs> maybe one or two, because John Lethlean, I would argue, he is a food writer from the Australian, would consider himself a bit of an influencer crusader. He's kind of dedicating much of his, you know, the, the glory years of his career, denigrating influencers <laughs> and finding a way to come after them. Now, Johnny Boy hates them. Aww. Johnny Boy, no, John Lethleen <laughs> uploaded some screenshots sent by this aspiring food blogger to an unnamed restaurant asking for a collab. So this aspiring food blogger messaged the restaurant saying, do you want to collaborate with me? And John Lethleen was sent those screenshots and put them on his Instagram. Yes, exactly right. So if you're asking how the hell has John Lethleen found himself in shameless segments before, you might recognise his name from a segment we did in early 20. 20- when he took a screenshot of an industry newsletter where Chloe Zepp and Mitch Orville, two quite high-profile influencers on the Aussie scene, announced they were having a baby and were calling out for brands to gift them certain baby products that they might be posting on their Instagram channels. Yeah, exactly. And that's pretty standard in like a PR newsletter. Like this was really an industry thing. It wasn't like a worldwide call-out. <laughs> and John Lethleen saw that, put it on his Instagram story in 2020 and said, call me old but yuck. So that whole thing blew up and John became the proud parent of the couscous for comment hashtag, which he's used to really, as I say, push this sort of train of influencers ask for too much. He doesn't like the idea of people getting free shit and then posting about it online and giving that brand publicity. The natural irony, of course, is that he is a food writer, so goes to restaurants, gets the free food <laughs> and writes about it in the newspaper. Now, in this case specifically, what happened is, as we've been saying, an aspiring food blogger messaged an unnamed restaurant. And the issue around this account itself is people have been pointing out that it only had about a thousand followers. Yeah. So the aspiring food blogger's name is Elle. She runs the account at Two Teaspoons along with her friend Annie. Now, yeah, their account has 1,000 followers, but on their personal accounts, they have about 4,000 Instagram followers each. This is Elle's message to the restaurant originally. Hey guys, my friend and I have a food page together at Two Teaspoons and saw your restaurant and thought it looked amazing. Would love to come and try it out in exchange for some stories on our personal accounts and a post and stories on our food page account. Would you guys be interested in doing this collab? If not, we completely understand. We can't wait to hear from you. The restaurant owner was pretty understandably annoyed and did reply with a pretty lengthy caption that did touch on the fact that the hospitality industry in Victoria or around the country has been decimated because Mm. of COVID over the last couple of years and went on to say this, maybe give it a year or so and see how the business landscape looks and see if you can amass enough followers for your collabs to actually be of benefit to the venues you approach so naively. Eat, drink, spend and tip instead of beg and you'll probably be on the right path. Yeah, so whoever this restaurant owner is sent the DM to John Lethleen, who did not warm to the messages at all. He posted 
posted the screenshot of the interaction with a caption, they're back, hashtag kuss kuss for comment. I expect you're going to get a little unsolicited social traffic of your own. He then tagged Elle and said, have a nice day. Yeah. So the comments started coming in. This started making news. But I think for you and I, one thing when you're sitting back and watching this is like, yeah, perhaps not the best time to be messaging restaurants asking for free food, particularly if you don't have, you know, a huge audience. Mm. But not especially a crime. No. Like, especially when you've got maybe a reach of 9,000. Like, that's not out of this world for a restaurant to say, you know what, I actually could see a benefit here. Maybe not giving you free food, but maybe giving you a discount. But the comments on John Lethleen's post were pretty fucked, Michelle. And I think when comments on someone's post are completely fucked and not moderated, it gets pretty messy. Well, yeah, I think... Within reason, right? Like if you're looking at someone's account and they have 100 million followers, you're not going to expect them to be able to moderate tens of thousands of comments potentially. There's always new stuff coming up. Even if someone has hundreds of thousands of followers, it can be hard. Speaking personally as the social media manager at Shameless, it can be hard with 180,000 followers to always keep an eye on everything. That said, we do still moderate our comments to the best of our ability. Someone with 25,000 followers like John Lethleen could have done a better job to moderate comments like this one, which is currently one of the most liked comments on that post. Quite simply, Elle, put some clothes on and get a real job. Well, this I feel like was very much the sentiment. I mean, the whole story was quite interesting to me because I'm hardly going to like die on the hill of like these influences have been wronged, but I am leaning on the side of... People are quite snarky about stories like this. There is something they adore about stories like this where it's like, gotcha, you are trying to do something. And we've spoken about this on the show before. It's like you are trying to do something that we find ugliest in most humans, which is trying to become famous or trying to build an influencing career. Therefore, I'm stoked to see you dragged down. When in reality, the message that they wrote was quite polite. It was like, if you're not interested... Totally fine. And they're not running into the restaurant, <laughs> putting a gun to the restaurant and saying, give us the free food or else. Yeah, they're not messaging saying, we will dine and dash at your establishment. <laughs> right. Like, this is an offer of an exchange of goods. Even though this restaurant owner might not see what these two girls is offering as goods, 9,000 followers is still something. It's not nothing. Yes, it's on the restaurant owner to accept or reject that. That is absolutely their choice. We can't really criticise the restaurant owner for saying yes or no. But I didn't love the line in their original DM replying to the girls saying, eat, drink, spend and tip instead of beg. This is not begging. A lot of older people seem to look at the influencer economy and think that it's just people asking for free shit and making money out of nothing. This is advertising. This is directly building businesses that are now multi-million dollar companies off the back of Instagram advertising. For anyone, Simon Lethleen, the owner of the restaurant, whatever, to look at the influencer economy and see it as nothing but silly girls is ridiculous to me. And I completely completely understand the restaurant owner having an emotional response, completely understand them being upset. I can imagine this did personally insult them. So I can give them a pass for their snarkiness. I can even give them a pass for sending it to John Lethleen. I cannot give John <laughs> Lethleen a pass. Someone with 25,000 followers on Instagram who regularly posts what restaurant he's eating at and tags the restaurant because he knows that's valuable PR to then turn around to young women trying to make it in the same industry and go, oh, you guys are so desperate. You're basically begging on the streets for restaurants to give you free stuff. That's what your job is, John. Yeah, and I think there's definitely a real snobbery around who is allowed to, quote, unquote, 
influence people. It feels very much like the old guard protecting their space a little bit. I mean, John Lathlane is very well known for not even calling these people anyone an influencer. He calls them so-called influencers. So-called. Oh. He called Nadia Fairfax one of, the biggest, <laughs> one of the biggest influencers the country has, a so-called influencer. And it does really pose the question of, like, what is the bee in the bonnet here? Like, what's yes. the real worry? I do find it a bit laughable. I'm like, what's the big concern? What are you worried about? Are you worried about these people taking your job? Because that's what it feels like. Like, what is upsetting you, John? Let's sit down and unpack this because you're getting on your Instagram account with 25K followers every week and posting the food that you're enjoying. So... Tell me where the cognitive dissonance is going on here, John. I would love to sit down and have a little one-on-one. Imagine if he responds now, you're saying, like, I'm just really sad. He'll probably come for us now. We're going to end up on his page. Whatever, John. We're big fans of what you do, but also... Explain. Please explain. Please explain. We have questions that need to be answered. <laughs> Coming up after the break, Amanda Bynes files to end her conservatorship after nine years. Former Bachelor star Lockie Gilbert thinks everybody lives a pretty mundane life. And then we talk about the headlines that claim influencers will soon be banned from spruiking things like protein powders and sunscreen. But first, a word from today's sponsor. And now it's time for the quick and dirty. As always, we bring you the top five stories from the rough and tumble of the celebrity and pop culture news cycle. Annabelle Lee, what's Zara's middle name for the day? Zara, where's my jubbly mug McDonald's? <laughs> oh, you know what? Not bad. I don't know where it is. <laughs> yeah, but listeners have literally started DMing. We'll get to the quick and dirty in a second, everyone. Listeners have been DMing us on Instagram who got jubbly mugs after we spoke about it on the episode. Theirs have arrived and they were getting emails the whole way through. We have nothing. <laughs> we don't, but we have hope. Oh, that is what we have hope. I have no hope. Anyway, <laughs> Zara McDonald, quick and dirty time. What have you got for us? My first story, Amanda Bynes files to end conservatorship after nearly nine years. That is from page six. Now, in case you missed this last week, Amanda Bynes filed some court documents to end her conservatorship after nearly nine years. Now, Bynes is 35 and has requested to terminate both the conservatorship of her person and of her estate. So a bit going on here. Yeah, a bit going on. And obviously we've all heard about conservatorships in line with the Britney Spears kind of evolving story over the last few years. But Amanda Bynes found herself in a very, very similar situation and has been in one for almost a decade, as you said. Her attorney said in a statement to People on Friday, Amanda wishes to terminate her conservatorship. She believes her condition is improved and protection of the court is no longer necessary. Yeah, so when she was initially placed under conservatorship in August 2013, the court gave her mother, Lynn Bynes, legal control of both her personal, medical and financial affairs. Now, I don't know if you guys will remember, but the move came after she was hospitalised a couple of times for her mental health. She also allegedly started a fire in a stranger's driveway. So she was making headlines around this time and this is when she was placed under the conservatorship. She's largely stayed out of the public eye since then, to be totally honest with you. She has graduated from the Fashion Institute of Design and Merchandising in LA in 2019 with a degree. She also got engaged in Feb 2020 as 
as well to Paul Michael, who she met in an AA meeting. So she's really been living her life in a much more private way. Yeah. Her mother's lawyer also spoke to E! News about this development, saying Lynn is so incredibly proud of the progress Amanda has made over the last few years and is so excited about the next chapter of Amanda's life. Based on the petition and Amanda's amazing progress, she completely supports Amanda's request to terminate the conservatorship. This will be such an interesting one to watch. Like, I hope, and it does sound like the tone here is so much more healthy than what we experienced with the Britney Spears story. Yeah, I've been sitting on this one a bit because I agree with you. The tone does sound much healthier. But the tiny, tiny cynic in me also thinks with these kinds of things, well, of course they would have watched the Britney story unfold and thought we cannot possibly do to Amanda what was done to Britney. Now, in no way, shape or form am I accusing them of doing that. But I just think any family of a public person under a conservatorship would have definitely watched that story Mm. thinking, yeah, we need to wrap this in love. Yeah, very eerie as well watching two women that we grew up with like really go downhill and experience this for so long. Like it's... It's pretty sobering when you consider the impacts of being a child star. Yeah, absolutely. My second story. Channel 7 journalist Georgia Love is finishing up at the Melbourne newsroom to start a new job. That is from the Herald Sun. Yeah, background for those who might have forgotten. Georgia Love is, of course, a former bachelorette. She's now married to the man she met on that Channel 10 show. His name is Lee Elliott. Last year, she was embroiled in one of the most high-profile local celebrity scandals of 2021. She was called out for her racist Instagram stories about a Chinese restaurant. After that, she was also involved in an internal Channel 7 scandal, Zara. We spoke about this on the show. She sent out an email to the entire Channel 7 newsroom. It was not received well by a couple of staff members and she got a quite snarky response from a senior male co-worker. Yeah, and that was leaked to the press. Now she's given an exclusive interview to the Herald Sun about why she's leaving that job. According to the article, Love will leave the Seven Melbourne newsroom at the end of March to join the highly regarded storytelling agency in thrall as a senior public relations and content manager. She will be working across a new platform called The Good News, showcasing positive and uplifting news stories. I mean, I can't really imagine wanting to stay in a workplace if people are leaking against me, to be totally honest with you, regardless of the circumstances around it. Yeah, I wonder as well if there was a conversation, obviously after the racism scandal broke, there were those headlines about Georgia being pulled off the broadcasting role and the presenting role and put in the newsroom behind the scenes. I imagine there may have been some back and forth as well in the months after it happened to be like, okay, is she going to be back on camera? I imagine if the answer to that was no, it would spark a yeah. career change. and the other thing I've been thinking for a long time ever since she wanted to kind of return to journalism after The Bachelor is how hard it would be to juggle a career in journalism and a career influencing, mm. like taking money from brands while also trying to report. I always kind of wondered how delicate that balance would be. So I imagine going into PR would mean that her influencing career is probably a much more straightforward thing. Yes, agree. My third story. Toby Pierce is leaving his job as chief executive of the $400 million fitness empire, Sweat. That is from the advertiser. Now, Sweat co-founder Toby Pierce, the ex-partner, of course, of Kayla Atsinas, is leaving Sweat after 
a million years. I, I haven't written down. <laughs> I haven't written down. I just can't see it on my notes quite quickly. Quite a few years at the business. Yeah, I think it was eight years, not a million, but that's okay. <laughs> Kayla and Toby famously released their first fitness ebook in 2014. They then followed that up with an app in 2015. It went on to become one of the biggest fitness platforms in the world with a following of more than 55 million people on social media. According to the advertiser, the app has been downloaded more than 30 million times. That's amazing. Insane. That is just incredible numbers. And as you say, they've done it relatively quickly. I know I made a joke that it's been a million (laughs) years, but to have only launched the app in 2015, they really kind of launched that app at a time where this industry was about to boom and Kayla and Toby built something pretty impressive. Now, these two split in 2020, about a year after the birth of their daughter, And as you guys might remember, in July last year, we spoke about the fact that they had sold their business to an international company called iFit. They sold it for about $400 million. Mm. Now, what I find most interesting about this, I guess, is when all that news broke, because it was huge when Sweat was sold, the headlines and the reporting around that was that the conditions of that deal were that Kayla and Toby had to stay on for multi-years, mm. multi-year contract. Kayla is the face of the brand, Toby is chief executive. It's only been about 10 months yeah. since it's sold and he's left. Yeah, he has left. And we don't know exactly why that decision has come about now. All we have to go off is Toby's statement, which said that it had been a life-changing experience full of incredible people, moments and achievements, and that he will remain an advisor to the brand. On top of that, the only other thing that we have, and I've got to say, we don't know if this is connected at all. We just know that it's been a development recently is that Toby Pierce is now publicly dating Rachel Dillon. Rachel is the founder of Move With Us, which is another huge fitness platform. Now, I imagine, I'm not sure on this, I imagine there could be competing interests at play if you are dating a rival while running sweat. I mean, the other option here is just that Kayla and Toby aren't together anymore. Like maybe it's not that easy to work with your ex. Yeah. I don't think many people would find that particularly easy. Fuck no. I mean, it's an interesting one. We did speak about this when he began dating Rachel Dillon because we raised plenty of eyebrows about that fact. So I would love to know what exactly went on, but good on them. I mean, they've built something incredible. He can now go and build something else. Yeah, exactly. My fourth story, not mine. (laughs) (laughs) A TikToker might have just called out a silent feud between Haley and Hillary Duff. That is from Distractify. <laughs> Michelle is now remembering that she fought for this story in the quick and dirty and now she can't even remember if she cares. I don't know why I thought this was so interesting yesterday and ever since you like started reading out the headline it's just dawned on me that I'm like anxious about trying to sell this to sell the it. listeners now. Okay look when I first stumbled upon this I cared Heaps. What happened is that a TikToker named Geordie Cray did some research <laughs> this week. Stay with me. Did some research this week and then presented his evidence to the people in a three-minute TikTok video. So his investigation suggested that sisters, Haley and Hilary Duff, who we all grew up with in the noughties, may I add. Iconic sisters. Iconic sisters. Thank you, Zara. Iconic for their movie Material Girls in 2006, if Absolutely. you ask me. <laughs> I'm trying to help you. <laughs> They're apparently no longer on speaking terms and well, haven't according been. According to Geordie Cray. Appa- that's what I said, apparently. Apparently. <laughs> and haven't been since January 2021. So Geordie Cray did his research and Hillary hasn't liked a single Instagram post from Haley 
since January 26, 2021. Before that, the sisters were engaging with each other's content regularly. Yes, I want to die as I remember. <laughs> so what happened was this video went up. It got hundreds of thousands of views, tens of thousands of likes, and it has kicked off kind of a trend on TikTok that people are now calling Duff Drama Talk, where people are really trying to figure out are Hillary and Haley Duff no longer on speaking terms? As Duff Drama Talk has unfurled over the last week, it's also been uncovered. Haley did not attend Hillary's December 2019 wedding where all of her loved right. ones were. Probably should have led with that instead of the Instagram Because <laughs> I was thinking like... I bet my sister hasn't liked my Instagram post in over a year. Like, That's fair. You know what? That's not outside the realm of possibility. I will go back and be checking. <laughs> but your sister not attending your wedding. Your sister not attending your wedding. That should have been your first bullet point. But that's not what came out first. Geordie Cray came out first and then Duff Drama Talk <laughs> happened. And now the Duff Drama-ites or whatever we want to call them uncovered all of this stuff. I personally care. I am telling myself that I care. I'm believing that I care. And I'd love to poll the people for your Say Friday. Do you care if Hillary and Haley don't speak? If I was polled on that, I would click I do care because... I, it's just my presentation on the yeah. I think that is they were like very wholesome, iconic sisters. That's how they built their entire brand, yes. being best friends and very wholesome at the same time. Very much like Seventh Heaven vibe. Like, oh, what a show! Do you agree? Yeah, they're yeah. unproblematic. Like everyone loves Hilary Duff in particular because she's just kind of like I don't know. She's it's, non-offensive. It's so funny though. The minute we say anyone's unproblematic oh, on this show, someone will message saying, "Don't you know they did X thing in 2004 <laughs> and they should be cancelled." <laughs> My fifth story, my favourite one of the day. SAS Australia's Lockie Gilbert says it blows his mind. People go to work every day and live a boring life. As the smug bachelor admits he hasn't had a job in a decade. That is from the Daily Mail. Props to them for that headline. Props to them. Now, if you need the context on who the hell Lockie Gilbert is, if you're in Australia, you could not have turned on a TV in the last five years and escaped him. He is a reality TV personality a million times over. He's been on Survivor Australia twice, along with The Bachelor Australia and now SAS Australia. Appreciating how the word a million is now just being subject <laughs> five or six in this episode. You guys have said it a million times. <laughs> Annabelle, we love you. <laughs> I that was quite good. Now, in SAS Australia's episode on Tuesday night, Lockie Gilbert said to the camera in a kind of voiceover, Michelle, <laughs> in the last 10 years, I mean, I haven't really worked. It blows my mind. People get up, they go to work every single day, living a mundane and boring life. I've just done whatever I wanted to do and it's got me this far. And then he just smiled. <laughs> so much to unpack. And if you are worried that perhaps Zara just misrepresented what Lockie said, took his words out of context, let us give to you what everyone watched on their TV screens on Tuesday night. In the last 10 years, I mean, I really haven't worked. It blows my mind. People get up, they go to work every single day, living a mundane, boring life. Captain? I've just done whatever I've wanted to do and it's got me this far. So much to unpack. Like, so, so much to unpack. Where to begin? I think the very first place I want to begin with you both is Lockie Gilbert's long-term girlfriend now, Irina, is literally a nurse. She does get up and go to work every day and slogs it out as a healthcare worker. 
Imagine watching this episode and seeing your own boyfriend say, it blows my mind <laughs> that people do exactly what my girlfriend does. It's also this idea that it blows my mind that people make a decision to go to work every day. It's like people aren't choosing to. They have to. Like what is this? Like the complete lack of self and social awareness is one thing. But the second thing is like every single person you're speaking to who is watching this show right now would arguably have a job and have to get up and go to work. He's speaking like he's an heir to daddy's hotel empire or something. (laughs) But not even because he's saying I have worked for this. Like I haven't had to do this. So he's clearly saying somewhere along the line you can just make a decision to float. Is he? Is he saying I've worked for this? He said I've just done whatever I've wanted to do. He's saying I didn't even have to try. (laughs) I just woke up and decided I'm not going to work and it's worked for me. This is thing about big float mentality which I'm going to call it (laughs) only white straight relatively attractive men can ever do a big float like travel to (laughs) Bali live half their life there and then come back and then decide to live such a fractured fragmented life people don't have that choice no people don't have that choice and that's fine by the way if people want to live like that totally fine but don't pretend that everybody else could just do it with a click of a finger you do you boo (laughs) (laughs) lucky boo I want to as well. So who are you talking to when you say that? You do you, Lockie, if yeah, that's what you yeah. want to do. Just don't get up on TV and yeah. say it. Like, my second point is I want to know who he thinks he's endearing himself to when he says shit like this. Like when he gets up on a TV program and in front of like cameramen and producers says this, who does he think is actually liking that? <laughs> does he realise that maybe like 0.00001% of people watching would relate to that. Like, he's literally annoying the vast majority of viewers. But I think if you're saying something like this, you're not thinking about who it's hitting because if you did, you wouldn't say it. That's all my quick and dirty. <laughs> Thank you so much. So um, we're quickly back. <laughs> Just kidding. The quick and dirty is not finished and I swear we will get into our final segment of today's episode, Zara. But we left the studio. We started editing the episode and one Lockie Gilbert decided to re-enter the chat with a slightly different tune to what we heard on television on Tuesday night. Yes, he apologised and we, of course, have to include the apology. So he put up an Instagram story and he said the following. I just want to clear things up with the comment I made last night. I never meant it in the way that it was edited. What I meant was that I am so lucky that I get to do what I love each and every day. I said I haven't worked a day in the last 10 years because when you do what you love, you don't work a day in your life. You go next. (laughs) Classic. Well, clearly, I mean, in our segment that we recorded this morning, we were saying how does his partner Irina feel about all this? And judging on this Instagram story, she probably didn't love it because she, (laughs) Lockie, did include a message about Irina in this apology. He said, my beautiful partner and mother both work in healthcare and they are both so passionate about their jobs. I love that they get to do what they love. I never meant for it to come across the way it did and I am deeply sorry if my comments offended anyone. to make one more point because he did sort of clarify by saying when I said I don't know how people go to work every day they left out the part where I said to a job (laughs) they hate now not to be a bit nitpicky but some people still have to go to jobs (laughs) they hate that's just the world anywho that is really it for the quick and dirty and fair journalism is that we had to share this so Lockie (laughs) (laughs) this is journalism 101 me giggling in the background (laughs) thank you next bitch 
If you spent any time on social media on the weekend, there is no way you could have missed it. Apparently, a sweeping ban on Instagram influencers was on its way and any paid promotions of skincare, sunscreen and protein powder were on the way out. First came a flurry of media reports with basically every major Australian media company jumping on the news. Then the influencers followed suit with a slew of angry Instagram comments and stories. But not everything was as it seemed. In fact, when it comes to this particular story, some serious fact-checking is in order. Zara, to kick us off, why don't you read out some of the headlines that were everywhere on the weekend? Yeah, well, I think the first thing that people might have seen around this was a graphic made by The Australian that was floating around on Instagram, which read like this. Influencers will be banned from receiving perks such as cash or samples to promote skincare and other health products. <laughs> Pretty straightforward, right? There was another headline on Nine Honey. Influencers banned from promoting health products from vitamins to skincare in latest TGA crackdown. Sounds serious. <laughs> Sounds quite serious. The Daily Mail. Fears for Australian <laughs> So it sounds like they're dead. As new advertising rules ban them from spruiking vitamins, skincare and protein powders online. I'm so fearful. I did appreciate this from news.com.au as well. Advertising ban on health products and cosmetics to hit influencers. It had the stand first. New rules will stop influencers promoting certain cosmetic and health products if they are paid for their endorsement or gifted the item. So, Mish, naturally, as you said, in the wake of these headlines being everywhere on the weekend, social media went off and people were pretty mad and particularly the Australian social media scene. The comments, particularly on that graphic from The Australian, because The Australian was the first one to kind of report this, were pretty intense. Yeah. A lot of people were basically saying, how could we do this to small businesses? Number one, there was a lot of concern for small business. For example, startup skincare companies or startup protein powders or startup sunscreen brands in particular. There was a lot of concern about the sunscreen dot point on that Australian graphic. A lot of people naturally saying, what the fuck, basically? Like, how is this a thing? Why do we care so much about influencers promoting skincare and sunscreen? And how does it make sense? I think the big question was, how does this make sense? So when we first saw this, we were like, it doesn't make that much sense. Hence why we're probably going to dig into this a little bit more and work out what's actually going on because it doesn't sound quite right. And it wasn't quite right what was being reported. The big question is, are influencers really banned from being paid to promote skincare and sunscreen? No. No. The answer is no. Now, they're banned from giving personal testimonials about that product. So we spent quite a few days on this trying to do some digging. We spoke to Susie Mader, a partner from Kingwood and Mallisons, who's doing a lot of the work with the healthcare companies to actually help these companies work out what they can and can't do with their marketing. And she told us this, and I will quote directly because it's all very specific and it can be a bit dense, but I think it's really important in this influencing space for the facts to be on point. Yeah, so we'll give legal jargon and then we'll contextualise. Exactly. Exactly. She said, testimonials must not be used to advertise a therapeutic good where the person giving the testimonial receives an incentive like a payment, gift or free product. Paying or incentivizing an influencer to provide an endorsement, however, is allowed. An endorsement is an expression of support for a product or brand that doesn't reference the individual's personal experience using the good. So if we are applying that to current day, if I am an influencer... I can still sell you the products, every product listed by The Australian. I just cannot centre myself 
in the content that I am posting on Instagram. So I can get up on my Instagram stories and say, this sunscreen is wonderful. It's SPF 50. It provides X coverage from the sun. What I can't get up and say is this sunscreen is my personal favorite because it personally protected me from melanoma. And I swear by this sunscreen with every cell in my body. Do we see the difference? Yes. And people can also do that without any kind of cash incentive. For example, maybe a couple of months ago, you jumped on mic and spoke about your favorite sunscreen, which is ultraviolet. You're allowed to do that because there's no sort of incentive for you to do that. There's another question that also keeps popping up. And this was a well-liked comment on that graphic that the Australian posted on Instagram, which read like this. Then all advertising in magazines, newspapers, TV, digital publications that promote health and wellness products should be banned also. When an influencer does a post, it says paid post or ad. I'm not sure why this has been singled out. Can someone explain this to me? Now, I think it's pretty fair to say that influencing has been targeted in this case because it's rooted in personal experience. When you're given a brief by a brand, it is always, can you speak to your personal experience? And in these specific cases, people can't. And I think what's really interesting as well is today we've got a skincare sponsor Mm. and it would be remiss of us to ignore that. It is not all skincare companies that are even relevant here. Like it's not any skincare company either. It is just the ones that are listed on the TGA website that kind of claim to have some sort of medicinal property like an acne skincare brand. Yes, exactly right. Same with protein powders. It is not every protein powder. It is only the ones that claim to make like medicinal changes to your health and well-being. Only the ones listed by the TGA. I mean, I'm kind of frustrated going through this because I feel like we were really misled by that original Australian headline in particular. Like the way they presented this on Instagram as well wasn't really very accurate. They really skimmed the surface and made this sound like it was a huge sweeping change to the influencer industry when really it's a tweak. Yeah, it's a it's a tweak and a good one, I would argue. Yeah. I think it's a really good one if we're not letting people make just like a raft of claims about stuff that actually affects our bodies and medicine. I also think what's happened here, Mish, is It's a graphic on Instagram and for all good that graphics do on Instagram when it comes to communicating news, they are going to tell the story in a very flat way. They will try to direct people to their article, but the Australian sits behind a paywall and how many people that this article is targeting have a subscription to the Australian? I would argue not many. So not many people are are reading the actual article to understand the details. Yeah, absolutely. I want to also talk to you guys about how this even became a news story this week, because we need to point out that these changes to how the TGA is policing the influencer industry aren't even news. Like it's not even news news. (laughs) this week. This was all based on a media release from the 3rd of December, 2021. That is four months to the day. Four months ago. This is four months old changes. And I do not know how the Australian picked it up this week. I don't know what happened behind the scenes, but how it became the top trending story of late Feb is absolutely beyond me. I think obviously a lot of people missed it. And I think, again, it was quite a sexy story for other news publications to pick up because it was like, is influencing finished as we know it? It's not to say that the industry will not change and that sunscreen brands or other sign of acne skincare brands won't have to do their work to make sure they're advertising in a correct way. And yes, it might make influencer marketing harder for them, but it's not going to stop it in its entirety. I think a lot of this does boil down this to the media landscape in Australia. I think in Australia, it's very common practice 
incredibly common practice, particularly in digital media, for one news publication like The Australian to write their article up and every other digital news journal who's on that day, and it was a weekend, so it would have been very skeleton Mm. stuff, to say, oh, shit, I've got to write about this too. And because they often don't have the time and resources to contact the TGA, get the media release themselves, read the code, or contact someone like Susie Mather like we were able to, they just write around what The Australian has reported and reduce it even further. Yeah. And we need to say we are not looking down on any of those journalists or writers. The three of us on this podcast have all done that. We have all been part of write around culture and it is not the fault of junior writers. I mean, I think I was 20, maybe 21 when I was writing news articles online. It is not the fault of the 21-year-old sitting at a desk on the weekend churning this out. It is a fault of the culture of the industry where this is what's expected. Like nobody has any time. You're expected to churn out four to five articles a day. If you're doing four to five articles in an eight-hour, nine-hour day, you don't have time to call people and fact check. So what you end up getting is so many replicas of essentially the same article but with no nuance, no background, no fact-checking. And so we ended up with basically the same article across the entire media landscape over the weekend with misleading information, particularly misleading headlines. Yeah, I think it's how readers were misled for me, for sure. And I think if listeners are thinking, okay, well, how do I catch myself out about this? If you're reading an article and you want to know, is there more to it? Or if there's a story like this that picks up, you will note that in lots of the articles we referenced, the headlines that we referenced, in that copy, it will say, according to The Australian, which is not to say they haven't always done their own digging, but it's a pretty surefire way of saying, oh, we've seen that there and we've got to quickly do our own story too. It took us about three days to get all our facts in a row for us to feel confident enough with what's going on with this story. It took until Tuesday morning and this story broke over the week weekend for the age to write up their explainer on what was going on, which was a really good piece, by the way. We'll put Mm. it in our show notes if you need a bit more context on what's going on. But that's because good journalism takes time. And I think the moral of the story here is that if something feels a bit strange or if outrage comes way too quickly, know that sometimes good journalism and fact-checking takes time and kind of maybe sit with your outrage until you know it's something to be outraged about. Yeah, 100%. What's going to be so funny about this now is because this went so viral over the weekend and so many people, particularly people who don't like influencers, saw this story and gobbled it up and loved the idea of the influencer industry being decimated. There are now going to be so many people commenting on SponCon posts for the rest of the year saying, this is illegal or like, you're not allowed to do this, which is just flat out incorrect. But because there's so much misinformation out there, it's going to take a long time to correct the record to be like, no, no, these were news articles that should have come out four months ago, should have had far more nuance, but news articles don't get clicked on when they have nuance in the headline (laughs) and therefore we've found ourselves in this position. Yes, so... That's that. That's I guess. That. The I, poor TGA staff who must be like, what the fuck is going on? Like we've, we've tried to make some changes that are quite helpful for the industry <laughs> and the consumer, but everybody hates us. No, it's really interesting. And if people do have questions, let us know. We will be talking about it on Your Safe Friday on Instagram as well, on our Instagram handle at Shameless Podcast. Come to us. Let's chat about this. Let's chat about your initial reaction to these headlines and how you feel now, because I'm going to hazard a guess that they are two very different feelings. In this instance, please centre your own personal experience with one. <laughs> to hear about it. <laughs> you said your own personal experience. I love that. Guys, as always, we are on TikTok at 
shameless underscore podcast. Michelle, anything to add? Yes, please subscribe to our newsletter. You will find a link to it either on our website, shamelessmediaco.com or on the link in our bio on Instagram. Subscribe drops every Friday morning. We have some great columnists on the roster Zara and we have some fucking interesting life dilemmas from the listeners. Don't we ever. Annabelle Lee, anything to add? No. No. More aggressive today. I like it's it. It's going to get more aggressive every week. With love. With love. With love. Guys, thank you so much. We will be back in your ears on Monday for another episode of Scandal. Woohoo. Nanny Diaries. Oh, Nanny Diaries. Wink, wink. wink nanny wink. Diaries. <laughs> Bye. Ooh. So chaotic. So chaotic.